Today I want to finish a series we've been in on the book of Galatians. That's why I decided to go to a is called the Jesus Image Conference in Orlando this this past few days and uh, realized it was it went till like eleven ten thirty last night um, and I didn't want to miss I was wrestling because I didn't want to miss this sermon and uh, my wife had told me well our flight is at five thirty and we can get back by 745 and if we book it you know we can we can be at a church and so just pray for my wife she may have broken the law uh driving us here uh there's grace you know um so if you didn't get caught does that mean you sinned okay all right <laughs> she says yes she's such a rule follower she's like yes yes I said she's she feels so guilty right now you know it wasn't more than like 10 over so so we're good right all right, we got here. That's the important thing. So I want to finish this series. Um, man, I've just been loving the book of Galatians, and uh, I just love reading the Bible. I love scripture. It, it cuts me, and it encourages me daily, so I just love it. And we've been in this series, and we've been talking about the book of Galatians and why Paul wrote it. And really today, we're going to finish strong with the whole reason that Paul wrote this. So he starts kind of cutting them <laughs> in a strong way, um, talking about perversions of the gospel. This, these, this region of churches was in danger of believing perversions of Jesus that were not the true Jesus that could not save them. And Paul was so concerned about them because if you're believing a, a false Jesus, you're believing a false hope, a false religion, you will not go to heaven. That was, that was his concern. And so he's writing to them to bring them back to the true gospel. And so uh, we've talked about that the last few weeks. Um, week one, we talked about two major perversions in our culture. Do you have that slide? Can you just put up the full slide? Like, I think I put a few in there, but like the full one with all the info on it, with the cross in the middle. Yeah, so we've talked about this. So Jesus, the true Jesus the narrow way is there in the middle. He's full of grace and truth, John 1 says. And if you go one way or the other, if you let go of grace or truth, you get a perversion of the gospel. So over here on this side, if you let go of grace, you get legalism, traditionalism, biblical examples, the Pharisees, high on truth, low on grace. It starts adding rules and traditions in order to be right with God. Right? Rules and traditions can be good things in certain cultures, scenarios, certain church families. But if, if you have to do those things to be right with God and go to heaven, now it's a perverted gospel. You're not depending in the cross on, alone. Not, you're not depending on the blood of Jesus alone. And so that's what they were getting into. We've talked about what that looks like in our culture sometimes. Um, people get into those things I've listed there. The dress, style of music, translation of the Bible, day of the week you meet for church, celebrating the right holidays or not. And again, churches have different cultures. That's fine. But if you say you have to do it this way or else you won't go to heaven, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a perversion right there, okay? That's legalism. That's not trusting in the cross of Jesus Christ. So we looked at these scriptures up there. I've talked about that last two weeks. I won't go into all those scriptures, but we're saved by grace through faith, not by works so that no one can boast, right? And so, uh, and the scriptures go on from there. And then we talked about over here, progressivism or lib- liberalism. This is a huge issue in uh, non-religious, you know, a lot of people who don't go to church. Oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, 
but they've totally let go of morality and they don't believe that there's any hell and they believe you know more more than one religion can can probably save you you know all religions are, are really okay it's just have faith in something it's like that's not what scripture says, right? And so they're letting go of truth, and you get a perversion of the gospel that cannot save you because that's not true Jesus. And so it's high on grace, low on truth, removes morality consequences. This dilutes the gospel. I've listed there some, some common tenets of that type of believing. And then, of course, the scriptures that pull us back. And, man, if, if this is your first time hearing this, go read those scriptures. You know, take a screenshot or something of that, and go read those scriptures right there later, and you'll be shocked. If you've, if you've bought into this you know you watch the view or you watch celebrities who talk about oh jesus is great but you know all these things in our culture morally are totally fine yeah go read those scriptures later and just wrestle with the word of god and and actually don't wrestle with the word of god just let it conquer you and believe what it says how about you do that right because that's what it means you know to be a christian is to believe the bible not what uh, what i think you know who cares what we think right? That's a huge problem with our culture. We care way too much what we think because we live in America where we're free. We live in America where we can believe whatever we want and we have affluence and there's a deceitfulness to wealth, Jesus said. And your comfort and your affluence combined with the freedom we have, make us think we can believe whatever we want and pick and choose parts of the Bible and parts of scripture and parts of Jesus and still go to heaven. I've, I've heard some preachers say, you know, just say this prayer. Invite Jesus to be a part of your life. Jesus has no interest in being a part of your life. Amen. He is king of kings and lord of lords. If you want to make him your lord of your life, and he's interested in that. And he will save you. And there is salvation. Let me tell you where we're going today. There's freedom there. The last two chapters of Galatians. Paul gets into talking about what I would call a false freedom. A counterfeit freedom. And so he spent a whole lot of Galatians kind of cutting them. And going, don't go this way. Do not get back into the legalism. All right? We talked about last week, the Holy Spirit. That's another perversion that churches in our day do not believe in the Holy Spirit. Or if they say they believe in it, they don't, they don't let him have his way. They don't believe in the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. And that's a perversion of the true gospel. And we talked about that last week. And if you do that, you start to drift over here. And really both sides of these in our culture, both sides are devoid of the Holy Spirit in American, modern Western culture for the most part, right? And so we talked about that last week. But then Paul addresses this side over here because this side over here starts to think true freedom is doing whatever I want. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the case. True freedom is found in Jesus, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I want to dive in to Galatians 5 and 6 and talk about the whole point he's writing this book, which is for freedom. Let's just dive in. Galatians chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. God redeemed you and me in Christ to be free people. 
Here's the mystery of godliness, to be free and yet not fall back into the slavery to sin. That is the mystery of godliness. Scripture says the mystery of godliness is great. So he says, stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He's speaking to this side over here, the the legalism, right? Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. If you depend in any good work, if you depend in anything, translation of the Bible, style of music, dress, You know, there's people who could come here and go, I'm free. We play cool music at our church. And you could take pride in that and say, we're right. And you could look down. I've heard people that go here or go to churches like this, we're non-denominational. And they take pride in that. And then they say, well, you know, they're Catholic, so they're not going to heaven. And I'm like, yikes. Don't say stuff like that. Be real, real, real careful. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? That's what scripture says. And so, we can't take pride in anything in the gospel because it's not us. So we can't go back to anything that saves us. You're not saved because you take pride in a church that doesn't care what we wear or because we have seats instead of pews or because we're free to use the the NIV or the message translation. We are free. But you're not saved because of that. You're saved by the blood of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus alone. So again, Paul says, I declare to every man that lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole Law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's one of those little bombshells. Broad statements that you could probably do about 20 sermons on. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. If you're feeling persuaded toward a certain way of believing in your heart, for better or for worse, you really need to think about who's persuading you. And that's where discerning of spirits comes in. Is this the Holy Spirit? Is this scripture? Or is this just me? Or is this people trying to get me to do what they want? Or is it the devil? Spiritual discernment, so, so, so important. Verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, who Jesus will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. My goodness. I'm going to fool around and preach two or three sermons today. 
if you are tr- living in true freedom in the Holy Spirit, the true faith in Jesus alone, you will be persecuted. You'll be persecuted by the traditionals and the legalists because of your freedom. And you'll be persecuted by these people over here who say, stop judging me. You're a bigot. You hate, you hate people. And we're getting to the point in our culture where just by calling people to discipleship, you're being called a legalist. And so if you live in true freedom, if you live truly by what scripture says, you will be persecuted. There isn't, the cross is offensive, isn't it? The cross is offensive. Because pride says, but I want to, I can do this stuff. And you got to do all this stuff to be right. And pride also says, and I can do whatever I want. And God will forgive me. Isn't pride deceptive? So verse 12, as I, I talked about this a few weeks ago, as for these, those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Yeah, that's in the Bible. And that's a nice translation. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Praise the Lord Jesus. You notice a theme. It is for what Christ has set you free. It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Verse 1 and verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Who's he speaking to now? He's speaking to this side over here. So he's been speaking the whole book to this side over here. Don't go back to legalism, traditionalism. Now he's saying you're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh and do whatever you want. And we're going to talk about why for the rest of the sermon. I love talking about why. God showed me one time the sevenfold spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 11 verse 2. The sevenfold spirit of God, there's seven facets to the Holy Spirit. And one of them is the spirit of understanding. And scripture says, where there's no vision, people perish. It, the literal translation of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen is where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. So if there's rules and you're telling people to do stuff, if they don't understand why, if they don't have a revelatory like, oh, this is why we're doing this, they don't want to do it. They'll be like, I'm not doing this. I have no idea why I'm doing this. And so the spirit of understanding goes with a teaching gift. And, and that's why if, you're, if you have a teaching gift, you're like, but I have to understand why. Why, why, why? Why is it this way? Why does it work this way? I have to understand it. And um, so I love understanding. Not just the word of God. <sighs> I want to understand God. You want to talk about a lifelong pursuit, an an eternal pursuit right there. If anyone's going to boast, God says, let them boast that they know me. Not know about me, not know my stats, not even know the book. That's that's baseline. That's, That's 101. That they know me, that they know my heart. To read between the lines of scripture and go, oh, this is why he's saying this. That's, what I, that's where I want to be. That's, we're going to talk about some of that today. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. The Apostle Paul says the entire law of God, the entire moral law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. You see this language a lot in the writings of the apostle Paul. And let me just tell you, he's speaking a lot to this side over here. So he's saying, don't go back to this, but also you got to watch out for this. This is false freedom. That's what he's getting into. It's counterfeit freedom. You will not be free if you just do whatever you want. So they're in conflict with each other, he says. Listen, the spirit of God in you and your flesh, which are like desires of your flesh, your body, cravings, sexual desires, hunger, thirst, desires, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. These things are in conflict with the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, they're in conflict so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So he's like, it's confusing. It can be confusing. It's a paradox. A paradox is something that's true. It's when two, there's two opposite things that are existing at the same time, but they're both true, right? And so what he's saying here is, if you do whatever you want, thinking I'm free, I can do whatever I want, pretty soon you're not gonna be free anymore. And if you're living by the spirit of God, the spirit of God is not going to let you do whatever you want because whatever you want will lead you into sin. I think it was A.W. Tozer that said something like, and I'm going to say it way less eloquently, but the whole, God doesn't put his Holy Spirit in anyone and then let them continue living in sin. And we're going to talk about why. And so, and yet, even though you're not doing what you want, you're not under law. And he's really going to drill down on this. And so continuing on, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And yes, he's saying, I don't care if you've went to church. I don't care if you've said a prayer. I don't care if you've gotten baptized. If you go back to living in this type of sin, in a continual way, known practice sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You have some repenting to do. And you need to humble yourself and get back to walking with Jesus and living by the Spirit. And as he just said, if you're living by the Spirit, You're in conflict with your flesh. You are not to do whatever you want. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. 
And he continues on in chapter 6. Brothers and six sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Just do want to push pause. There is a good type of pride, okay? It's just satisfaction in a job well done. That's good. Did you know God has that type of good godly pride? How do I know Genesis chapter 1? Day 1, he created what? This, and he said, it is. He's like, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> gets done with all seven days. Gets done with day 6, and he creates man. He goes, man, that's very good. All right. It's like the Trinity's up there high-fiving each other, right? Because we can get into this, if you go over here, like we're worms and not people, so, like false humility, you know, oh no, oh. hey, good sermon, pastor. Oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. It was a co-labor, is the truth. It was a co-labor. Yes, he was giving it all to me, but I had to stand up here and do it. And he knows that. You know, one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had with the Holy Spirit is, um, it's just happened a few times when we do a big event or a revival or, or big service or whatever, and you put in a ton of work. And I mean, you're exhausted and you do it and there's a lot of fruit and you're like, man, that was awesome. I'm so glad we did it, but I'm so glad it's over, you know, because I want to rest a little bit. And I'm like walking away from the building or I'm getting in my car and the Holy Spirit this has happened a couple of times. He just draws near and he goes, thank you. You want to talk about humbling? You want to talk about humbling? He went to the cross. And in those moments, a couple of times that's happened, you know the first thing comes in my mind when he says that? The times I complained as we were working on whatever we were doing. Oh, this is so much work. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And the God of the universe shows appreciation for a co-laboring. <sighs> didn't, didn't plan to throw that out there, but there it is. That'll humble you. There's a good type of pride. Don't get into false humility. Verse 5 of chapter 6, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. You can come to church, put on a good face, and some of you are highly emotionally intelligent, so you can be super nice, and it can seem like a fruit of the Spirit when you're in with people. But if you go home and look at porn, or if you go home and sin, if you go home and you're kind of a jerk to everybody, like, don't be deceived. You can fool people, but you cannot fool Jesus. And that's why Jesus speaks so much about, hey, when you pray, 
go into a closet and shut the door and like don't even let anyone know you're praying. The Father will reward you when he sees what's done in secret. Jesus talks so much about secret obedience, you know? Integrity means wholeness is what the word means. It means you're the same person in private, in public. You're the same person in different circles. You're the same person at church as you are at work, as you are at whatever, you know? That's integrity. I remember one of my parents used to have a coffee mug that said, character is who you are when no one but God is watching. Man, I I just felt like the spirit of Jesus was on that mug. And as a kid, you know, I would do all my secret sins, and then I'd walk in the kitchen and see that, and I'd be like, he knows. (laughs) But he does. And if you pray in secret, if you study your Bible in secret, in other words, you're not doing it to impress anyone. You know, that's one reason I had like the YouVersion Bible app. And, um, you know, early on, you know, you, you whippersnappers, when, uh, when social media first came out in the YouVersion Bible app, you could have friends on there, you see. And I got a bunch of friends. And then I started noticing that if I highlighted a verse, people would like the verse I highlighted. And I'm like, this, is, this feels gross to me. me. Me reading my Bible isn't for your eyes. And so I deleted that account. I started a new one. And I was like, no, I don't want to have friends on my Bible. Like, that's between me and Jesus. Plus, you just get notifications while you're trying to read the Bible. I'm like, what is happening right now? This is, get out of, get out of my, me and Jesus time. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write with my own hand. This is Paul most likely dictating the letter, and then he's like, I want you to, this last part I really want you to know is from me, and that um, it's me addressing you. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. The reason legalistic Christians want you to follow the rules is so that they don't have to change, so they won't be persecuted by their family and friends and church families and denominations they come from for their freedom in Christ. The reason many Christians and church leaders will not preach sin and judgment and call progressive progressive Christians to repentance is because they want people to like them. They don't want to offend people who refuse to repent, who are offended by the cross. The reason so many modern Christians won't believe in or seek God for the Holy Spirit is because they know they will be persecuted by their cessationist or traditionalist friends and families or the progressive culture that will think that they're weird for believing. If you believe in God, you actually believe he's a supernatural being that really exists and does stuff. The reason people don't want to live free in the fullness of truth is to avoid being persecuted by people who are not free or not living in the truth. If you truly follow Jesus in the fullness of his freedom, in the fullness of what his word says, by the Spirit, you will be persecuted. 
but it'll be worth it. You know, in the book of Acts, you ever notice how many times it says they were severely persecuted and they were rejoicing over it? And man, I've just gotten just a little taste of what that's like recently. When people say crazy things about you, and then they not only say crazy things, they say that your motives of your heart, the reasons why you're doing those crazy things, what they say is crazy. And it's like, if that was really who I am, I would agree that I'm evil and I'm a heretic. But now you're so far off base that I know that your persecution is not from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I'm going, wow. And then I get joy and I'm like, I'm not even mad at you because I know that that's not you. I know there's a demonic spirit who really hates my guts. And, you know, there's a new name written down in glory. Amen. Our names are written in heaven. That's awesome. But, man, when you get on the hit list for hell, that's kind of saying something, too. Well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, it's encouraging. I'm actually being faithful. I'm actually being bold and courageous here. Hmm. I actually get to participate in the sufferings of Christ. I want to know him, Paul says. And if you said that in every church in America, everybody would go, yes. And to participate in his sufferings. And that's where most would go, no. (laughs) So that I might know his resurrection. You want to know the fullness of resurrection power? Get ready to suffer. And I'm talking about persecution because that's what Paul was talking about when he said that. You won't be popular with people, but you'll be popular in heaven. Verse 13, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast, verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Have you been crucified to the world? Do you care what the world thinks about you? Do you care what celebrities are doing these days? Who cares? It's all going to burn. And the only thing that will be left is pure faith. Pure hearts from pure faith. It's all going to burn, even our bodies. And the only ones getting a new body are those who care only what Jesus thinks about them. God, just crucify me to the world. Help me not to care. And help me to only care what you care about. Verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Most likely, bruises, scars, 
and physical handicaps from being severely persecuted. Verse 18, last verse of this book. Grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. The great theme of his letter and his great concern to keep them from perversions of faith is to keep them in freedom. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. And he goes on to say, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. What does that mean? Why? Why, 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 why? How many of you are thankful God is in control? How many of you have been utterly confused when something horrific happens because I thought God was in control? God is in control, but he's not a control freak. God is in control, but he's not controlling. God is sovereign. He's going to work out all things according to his plan in eternity, in his, his sovereign plan. But he gives us total and complete free will. He deeply values our free will. Because to value your choice, to value your freedom, is to value you. If you were a robot, he would be devaluing who he created you to be. And so he gives us total and complete free will. Because he created us in his image. In his likeness. What does that mean? It's not talking about physical likeness. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's talking about our nature, who we are. So what is that? Who is God? God is love, 1 John four sixteen. So you and I are created in the image of love. To love and be loved is the meaning of life. And so often we think of only receiving love. The reason God gave you total free will and he values your total free will is because he not only created you to receive love, robots can receive love. Ask any child who has a baby doll toy. My little girls love their baby dolls better than some parents love their real children. You know what I'm saying? Anyone can receive love. But it takes a a live, free being to be able to love in return. And so God created us to love, to love and be love is the meaning of life, to be like God, because that's being like God. Free will is a prerequisite of being able to be a being that is love. So to be able to love other people or to be able to love God back, you must have total freedom. Because a gift that's demanded is no gift at all. And so love that's demanded is an obligation. It's a rule. You're a robot. But if you're totally free and you choose it, that's divine. That's why you were created. So Christ is redeeming us from sin so that we can live as free people who do not fall back into sin or sin selfishness by choice 
not because it's a rule. Well, you know, I really want to sin. It's what I want to do. But I really want to go to heaven, so I'm not going to do it. God wants to get you to the place where you look at sin and you go, gross. I don't want that. Why? Because that's not who God is. It's not good. I don't even want it anymore. That's the free place that God wants to get you to. And so he starts with fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the foundation. He starts with the holy fear that, yeah, if you continue in sinful ways, you will spend eternity apart from God. And so there's a paradox with the fear of the Lord. That the fear of the Lord is this fear that if I live in sin, I'll be away from God. So I'm not going to live in sin. The fear of the Lord, Scripture says, is not like fearing God's punishment as much as it is the hatred of evil, Proverbs says. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Why do you hate evil? So you can stay close to God. So the fear of the Lord is not necessarily fearing God hurting you as much as it is fearing being away from him. So the fear of the Lord's a foundation that keeps you close while you're a brute beast, while you're a horse that needs the bit in the mouth. Until you learn through wisdom and he gives you grace and there's times you're like, you know, I think I am going to go over here. And he goes, all right, see how that works out for you. And you taste and see, that's gross. I don't like it. That didn't work out. I got hurt. I hurt somebody else. And then you're trained by wisdom to live in the fear of the Lord. And wisdom trains you to go, no, I want to live in God's ways because they're good. And so God is trying to get us to live free and to want to live free. You know why? Because that's who God is. God is totally free. Did you know God can totally choose at any time yet he's never chosen evil because he has the fear he he has wisdom and knowledge but he knows that evil's not good so he never chooses it and so he's totally free he can do whatever he wants but he never sins because he doesn't want to why because he is love what did paul say love is Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole law and prophets. He said in another place in Romans 13, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. What are the rules of God about? The Ten Commandments. It's the basics, right? Don't steal, don't kill, don't lie, don't cheat. Don't covet, which causes you to do all these other things. Why is that? It's all about keeping you. They're just rules to keep you from harming each other and to harm from harming yourself. And that's why he says, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all that stuff, and loving your neighbor yourself, against those things, there is no law. And that's why he says in another place that in Scripture that um, the law is for the lawless. The law is to hold accountable people who don't want to be held accountable, who want to do evil, who are selfish. They're so selfish that they will do things that will harm other people, and they don't care. That's anti-love. 
And so God goes, well, you still need governments and justice to limit evil on the earth because there's still evil people and there's still people living in selfishness. But if you live by the Spirit of God, not to gratify yourself, to live by selfless love, you don't need law because you won't lie, because you won't steal, because you won't cheat, because you won't commit sexual immorality. Because you won't covet. Because you're not thinking about how to get what you, you're always thinking about how to give. You're always thinking about how to love others. And yet, if we try to live free while separated from God, we will find it impossible. Because God is love. He's not just the definition. He's the source. We love because he first loved us. And we can keep on loving because he keeps on loving us. So if we try to live free in love apart from the source of love, we find out real quick we don't have what we need. We lack. We're in poverty. We're in want. We're orphans. We're on our own, and it's up to us to provide for ourselves. (laughs) So when we don't have what we need, it's up to us to get out there and take it. And that's where our selfishness and sin takes over. And that's the way of the world. I'll be nice to you as long as you're nice to me because it's mutually beneficial. But as soon as resources get scarce, there's two of us and there's one field to farm. There's two of us and there's one cup of water. There's two of us and there's one good job. Well, then it's game on. Survival of the fittest. And sorry, I got to provide for my family. And sorry, I'm going to need that. So I don't care about you. I mean... Throw two toddlers in a room with one toy. That's sinful nature. That's also the reason nations go to war. There's lots of us, and there's limited resources. And we don't have what we need, so we're going to fight for it. But if we get reconnected to the source of all love who can not only constantly and continually give us all emotional, mental things that we need, like security, acceptance, affection, grace, peace, joy, and so on, but also this source of love just so happens to be the source of all life. He just so happens to be all-powerful. This person who, if we lack, he can just make up bread out of heaven and rain it down on us. And if this is how he provides for even the birds of the air, how much more will he provide for the, those he loves? Oh, you of little faith. Well, then that changes everything, doesn't it? When we realize we're not orphans, we lack nothing, then we can say with the psalmist, I shall not want. I want for nothing and I shall not fear. There's two of us in one field. We can say, you take it. My, my dad, he's got plenty of fields. If all the land on earth was taken, he could, like, make the earth bigger and make a new field for me. So you take it. Go ahead. I got a dad 
who's all-powerful, who knows intimately my situation, who loves me. If there's one cup and two of us, you take it. You know, because even if I die of thirst, well, for to me, to die is gain. Because this world is not all there is. And so you take it. Plus, he can just have it rain anytime. And I, uh, if there's two of us in one job, you take it. I'll be about my father's business. He can have ravens bring me food. It's no big deal. I can bless those who curse me. I can pray for those who persecute me. I can love my enemies because my love never runs out because I'm connected to the source. And it's not just a feel-good feeling. It's actual provision. And this is why even after salvation, after our sin debt has been cleared, we still need to continue in faith or, as Jesus said, stay connected to the vine to abide in him. This is why even in the grace of God, he still calls us to live holy lives and avoid all forms of sexual morality, greed, murder, lying. It's not about the moral law anymore. The debt's been paid, but it's always been about moral nature. Because moral nature is simply living like love. And God is love. And we were created to be like him. To be able to love. Which means we have to be free. And we have to choose it. But the mystery of holiness is being free while still being love. The deception of sin is to think we can be free without being love. By being selfish, but then by being selfish, we find that we're not free anymore. We're actually slaves to our flesh, our cravings, our addictions, and our demons. So true freedom then is in denial of self, following Jesus, to be like Jesus, to live in love, and to do so freely because we know it's what's good and best. We've been redeemed from the knowledge of good and evil. And we got the knowledge of evil, and we found out. It was evil. So now we have that knowledge, but now we just want to live in love. The mystery of godliness is great. His ways are beyond tracing out. And what a paradox it is to be free to do what you want. And if you do that, you'll find yourself a slave. But if you make yourself a slave to Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul said, You'll find yourself set free to live in love. And that's why Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake actually finds it. So I'm telling you today, those who are truly free are those who've come to know the source, who is love, who is a person, and they know that person loves them so much, and in trusting that person... They're free from fear over getting what they need because they trust this person who's all-powerful loves them and watches over them more closely than sparrows and will always give them what they need. They're free from anger because anger is this emotion against perceived injustice because they trust the one who loves them will right the wrongs and he always honors those who honor him. So if they're a kid on the playground and they get punched in the face, they don't need to punch back. They'll just be like, I'm telling my dad. He'll deal with you. 
Because guess what? He's your dad too. They're free from immorality. Because that's just trying to get needs met outside the source from an orphan spirit where you don't trust him. But he says, man, if you trust me, if you delight yourself in trusting me, I'll give you desires of your heart. Just trust me. Just trust me. That's what sin is. You don't trust God. So you're trying to get legitimate needs met outside of the source of love, away from God. And God has compassion on us as sinners because he knows we have these legitimate needs. He has compassion for why we do the things we do. He just knows in his love, if you try to do it in any way, shape, or form apart from him, it's not going to be what's best. You're going to harm yourself or others, and that well will run dry. And so in his love, he tells us, don't do that. In fact, if you do that, there's going to be a consequence, and I'm just going to tell you the consequence. You'll die. And I'm not so sure that's a punishment from him as it is the natural consequence of being disconnected from the vine. And so we, through our orphan spirit, we read Genesis chapters 1 through 3, and we go, if we sin, God's going to kill us. He didn't say that. He said, if you sin, you'll die. He did not say, if you sin, I'll kill you. Think about that. There's a natural consequence when you get disconnected from a vine, and you're a branch. You're going to die. It's a natural consequence. And so in his love, he's, I think it's more like, oh, don't do that. You would die if you did that. And I love you, and I don't want you to die. And so in Christ, I've redeemed you from that. And now, hey, listen, stay connected. Abide, 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 because I'm the source, because I created you for this love relationship. And it's a relationship, and it's a journey. So as you trust him, beloved, as you trust him, he's going to meet needs. He's going to provide. And then sometimes you least expect it. He's going to give you desires of the heart. Even stupid things. A free coffee. And it's stupid, but on the day you were having, you're like, God is real. So just trust him. And he'll build your faith. And the more he builds your faith in him, the less you ever want to leave him. The more you hate evil. Because it's gross. Because you love him. And that right there is true freedom. When you're so in love with Jesus, because you know he's so in love with you, that you're, you shall not want. And you're like, I'm free. <laughs> All my needs are going to be provided. And I have a feeling it's 
going to be a really good Christmas, and my daddy's got some stuff up his sleeve. So I'm not even going to tell other people what I want for Christmas. I'm just going to focus on how I can love them and get them cool stuff. I'm using a worldly example to talk about the posture of heart, the freedom that he wants us to have as we go through life. And that freedom is only found in Jesus Christ and in his love. The cross is just the beginning. The cross is salvation. That's what connects us to the vine. I mean, the Old Testament said, God said, if you're going to boast, boast that you know me. And then Paul says, I want to know him and, and participate in his sufferings so I can know him, so I can experience the resurrection power, so I can know him. Paul says, I want to know him. And yet he says, I'm never going to boast in anything except the cross of Christ. Wait a second. God said, if you're going to boast, boast that you know me. Paul says, I'll boast in the cross. Why is that? Because it's only by the cross that we get to know him. So I'm going to boast in the cross. Jesus died for me. And now I know him. And now I can tell you stories of how my daddy has met my needs. Of how my daddy came through. Of how one time when I got offered a dream job before this. This is my dream job now, right? (laughs) I just looked at him and went, no. No. That's all right. You can keep it. I don't want it. I want to do what my dad wants. And I could tell you so many stories. And I could tell you a story of a desire of the heart fulfilled that I wasn't looking for or even asking for. And it just makes me go, man, you're so good. Why do I ever doubt? Oh, me of little faith. (laughs) Why do I doubt? He's so good. Amen. Let's pray. God, God, help us to see we all want to be free. God, we all want to be free. Help us to see that true freedom's only in you. And in trusting your love. (laughs) And so often we fear trusting you because we want what we want. I can trust you, but I want this, but I want that. And you're up there going, I know. (laughs) Trust me. Focus on me. Focus on loving others. And don't worry about yourself. I will take care of you. So I just pray, Lord, that you would help us do that. That you would empower that in us today. That you would help us be full-on, laid-down lovers of Jesus. And then that you would, as we're fully forsaking ourselves denying ourselves, taking up our crosses, not even worrying about ourselves and what we want. I do ask, Lord, that you would just rain down desires of the heart that just make us cry tears through telling stories of your goodness. And I just pray that this would stir up a real uh, godly jealousy in the people who don't know you because we just brag so much about your cross and your love through the cross And how the fact that we know you and how you take such good care of us. And just like Paul said, I I hope Israel gets jealous by the people that he made his people who were not his people. And God, I just pray unbelievers could get jealous when they look at our lives. And, And I'm talking about good jealousy that draws them in.
to your heart. And when they talk to us about it, we just go, oh, no, listen, hey, if you're jealous of this, hey, listen, it's available to you, too. He wants you to be his child, too, and he'll do the same things in your life. But God, let us never seek your gifts for the gifts alone. Let us only seek you, seek your face. And I pray even as we're persecuted, even as we suffer for you, we could just take great joy and delight in it. That your Holy Spirit would draw near and go, you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful. People are coming to know me through your obedience. Thank you. And your thank you would just humble us, God. Who are we? Who are we, God? We love you. It's all by you, for you, through you, and to you, Jesus. And it's an honor to be your people. And Lord, just let us enjoy our freedom in you. Let us enjoy the freedom that you've given us. Because it's for freedom you've set us free. So may our our prayers be a little more tearful and sincere. Let our praises be a little bit louder. Because of what you've done for us. Because of the freedom we have. We love you, Lord Jesus. We just ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.